Hey friends, it's Mark James and today is Wednesday, the 5th of April 2023. Oh baby, we're already in the fourth month of the year. This is the start, this is the end, sorry, of the first quarter. In a month, that first quarter will be down. Have I messed that up? <laughs> I have. What I mean is, that's the start of the second quarter. It's the end of the first quarter. Yeah, we're 25% of the way through the year already. Split that year into 12 months. Three months is a quarter. It's now April, Jesus Christ. So, hey everyone, I knew what I meant. That's why I stopped and paused and got a little bit confused for a second. So anyway, uh, I'm currently at a holiday park. I'm at a holiday park in Weymouth, very specifically. And I'm on stage at nine o'clock tonight. I was on stage at eight o'clock on Monday, seven o'clock last night, seven o'clock tomorrow, which is the day I'm driving home. So I really wanted an early stage time. Uh, the entertainment manager tomorrow is a really good friend of mine. So he gave me an early stage time because he's a dream. And uh, I'll come back to why that is, obviously. It's Benidorm. But... Um, Tonight I'm on at nine o'clock. The manager tonight is new to the company and has come from a different holiday company where I guess they put their acts on later. So I'm, I guess they've dragged over their working system to here. And um, it's not worth the conversation. It's not worth messaging back going, uh, I'm usually on a bit earlier or, you know, because it makes no difference at all. It genuinely makes no difference because I'm staying over tonight in the town where I am. The fact that I'm on a bit later, I just didn't care at all. Makes absolutely no difference at all. So I just let it be. I just replied back when I got the nine o'clock stage time saying, cool, see you then. Right now, by the way, it is 7.13 p.m. So I might finish this podcast after the show, but right now it is pre-show. So let's get to the notes. What has been going on? What's the haps? What's the dealio? Well, it's Wednesday, obviously. Um, I'm down in Weymouth. All is well with that. I'm, I've got pains again. I'm basically better. Okay, I am better. That's worth saying that... But the problem is, every time, and I've never been a person for getting ill, my whole life I never really get ill. I've only been ill, maybe, you know, <laughs> I probably get a cold or illness once a year, if that. I'm just not a person who gets ill. And I feel like at the minute I've just got all of them at once. I think there's a solid chance that maybe when I first started complaining about being ill, I got COVID or COVID-based pneumonia or something like that based on the symptoms. Of course, I never went to the doctor. And many of you, uh, nobody English or British would say this, but anybody who's from another country would say, why didn't you go to your doctor? Because it's impossible. Unless you're borderline dying, it's very difficult to get a doctor's appointment because they go, okay, what, what's the problem? I just don't feel right. Keep getting different pains. It's moving around me. Okay, well, have you got COVID? Maybe, don't know. It just... I didn't have COVID when I tested, but maybe I got it after that. I don't know. Um, it's get, getting a doctor's appointment in the UK is a nightmare. Unless you're basically dying and you go to the uh, emergency room, the um, A&E, as we would call it, not the ER, accident and emergency, we would call it. Very difficult to get seen by a medical professional. So it's just been one thing after another. It was that cold, which was a horrible 
cough and I think I maybe got an infection from eating that too hot sausage and <laughs> this is the first week you're listening to this podcast by the way good luck working any of this out but um if this is your first time ever listening to this podcast just stop don't bother we don't need any new listeners we're full already right Maybe go back down the feed, find the episode that's called 100 Episode Stand-Up Special, listen to that, have some laughs for an hour, and then go get on with the rest of your life. This isn't for you. This is only for the people that are deep. This is only for the people that have stuck with it every week and know what is actually going on. So, different pains every week. I had the chest thing. As you know, that moved up into a cough and a sore throat. Then the sore throat moved up into severe congestion. And then during that, I got a toothache and I had to have a a root canal. And then that turned into something else, into something else. And then I think being worried maybe gave me, I get this little flutter feeling in my chest. Like whenever I'm, whenever I'm thinking about anxiety, it doesn't just happen. Won't just happen while I'm happy or watching TV. But I just get this little flutter feeling in my chest as if like a bit of cold air just just went in there or something. And it only happens when I'm thinking about anxiety, when I'm thinking my nervous or anxious about anything. And I think about all the things I'm worried about or have been worried about for an extended level of uh, length of time. It only happens in those situations. Apart from that. I'm basically okay. So I've probably given myself some sort of heart condition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it'll get better when I stop feeling anxious. And I'm ready to stop feeling anxious, by the way. Um, About my health, Sarah's health, Joshua, just everything, you know, just gets on top of you, doesn't it, sometimes. And uh, I think the middle, I think the sort of mid-30s responsibilities, I mean, they're a bit late, I'm 37, but I think the real weight of responsibility that I've just kind of brushed off is starting to hit me all at once, maybe. And the only reason I'm feeling that is because of being ill, just because of feeling unwell. Everything else gets on top of you, doesn't it? You know when you have a toothache or a finger pain or anything, you just think, God, if I just didn't have that constant throbbing pain, I could do anything. You feel like you'd be invincible if you got rid of that bit of pain. But um, now it's manifested itself in slightly different ways. I've obviously gone back to running. Last week I did very well, as I already told you. This week I've done pretty well. I don't actually know what a way because I didn't have a great weekend but not that bad. And then I didn't get weighed before I came away, but I have done well. I fasted yesterday and uh, the day before, Monday and Tuesday. And I exercised as well. I didn't exercise Monday because I had a big long drive and stuff and lots of packing to do. But I did exercise today and yesterday. Yesterday I ran 5k in Bournemouth and today I ran 5k in Weymouth. I did both of those 5Ks in under 33 minutes, which are reasonable times. Now, last week when I ran, I was left with a really, really solid um, leg pain, like an almost unbearable leg pain. The last day that I ran last week, I think it might have been Friday, I went out at home. I did, I ran at home on Friday. And as soon as I started running, I felt like I was getting a stitch and my legs were hurting and they just felt heavy. But I kept running and I finished the run and I got home and I said to Sarah, God, I feel like my legs are just done. And I got in the bath 
and that leg pain lasted a few days, you know. I could still feel it a little bit on Monday, which I suppose is quite unusual to have lingering pain. It's just taken me way longer to recover. My recovery times are down, and I think that's what tells me I've probably got a slightly longer form of COVID, or maybe that pneumonia that I thought comes from COVID, apparently, um, a different version, COVID pneumonia. My recovery times are just slow and I will bounce back and I am feeling better all the time, but the leg pain is pretty solid. And then Monday, I stayed in a travel lodge, Monday night, and I did not sleep well. I, stayed, I did a gig in Weymouth, but I couldn't get accommodation here. So I drove over to Bournemouth, which by the way, I'd never been to before, other than to stay in the same travel lodge. But I left early in the morning that time and never really saw the town or looked at it. Turns out it's absolutely wonderful. Bournemouth is fantastic. So um, I stayed there, but I stayed in a travel lodge and I struggled to get to sleep that night. It's just restless and a bit cold, actually. The room was a bit cold. But outside of the bedroom was a machine and it's some sort of water filtration device that the hotel needs but it was outside of my room and something on it was broken causing it to beep probably every second and a half like beep 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 like that for the entire night now, when I got into bed, I was watching TV and I turned the TV off and I could hear it. So I put a podcast on and I put it strategically so that the speaker was facing towards me in the bed and in between me and the window. And listening to the podcast and laid on my side, I was able to sort of allow the beep to drift away. Of course, I could have gone back to reception and said, this is not on. That This room, there's a beeping. But I was already unpacked. I, don't, I assumed when I first got in the room and I heard the beeping that it was some temporary thing happening. Two hours later, you're at the point where you think, oh, it's been two hours, I can't really go back to reception now. I could, but I'd have to maybe move everything out of my room. I've already unpacked my toiletries into the bathroom briefly. I am already in my pyjamas. All the different stuff you just cannot be bothered with. And you think, if I just go to sleep or I have the TV on or something, I won't be able to hear it and it'll go. But then I woke up in the middle of the night and I could hear it again. And the podcast had stopped playing. And that caused me to be very, very restless, flipping around in the bed and all that sort of stuff. And when I'm at home, I have a real sleep technique in that I hug a pillow. I have what we refer to as the huggy pillow. <laughs> now, the huggy pillow is very soft on the outside with regards to the material it's made out of, almost borderline furry. But the inside of it is a little bit more... Um, firm and it's a small square pillow and once upon a time we had a, a sort of pill shaped pillow on our bed you know you have the pillows then you have other pillows on top and then i mean sarah made this situation this is very much a woman's thing i would say the oversaturation of pillows on the bed but um there was a pill-shaped pillow, you know, an oblong one. And I took to hugging it because when I lay on my side to go to sleep, and I do always lie on my side to go to sleep, I don't know what to do with my arms. I'm assuming everybody feels like this. I never really know what to do with my arms. My lower arm is just kind of there. Sometimes I'll put my hand up and put it on Sarah's waist, or sometimes I like to put just my fingers inside of... <laughs> 
<laughs> this isn't going where you think it's going. But Sarah will often wear proper pyjamas with like a firm waistband uh, for bed. And so what I sometimes like to do is put just like from the from the knuckle, not the knuckle, the, what's the intermediate knuckle? Not the knuckle that you'd punch with and not the final joint of the finger, the middle, the middle, the intermediate knuckle. What do you call that? I like to put my fingers into Sarah's waistband to that length because it keeps my hand there without it falling off and sliding around. It's not uncomfortable for Sarah, I assume. And it's just a place that I'll put my hand, I'll sort of put it on a hip or more towards her back, depending on what sleeping position she's in. And then my other hand will just kind of go on my side. But that's, I don't like it. So I got this pill-shaped pillow one night and I hugged it and I've never slept better. So I always now have a pillow and now it's a square one, the kind that you'd put on your couch maybe, maybe a little bit smaller than that, chest size. And I hug that, okay? In the travel lodge, I didn't have that same situation. There are There were two pillows on the bed and there were two spare pillows in a pack that they keep. And I got one of those out and I tried to hug it, but it was thinner and longer and the wrong shape. All of the pillows themselves were a little bit harder than I'm used to. And we've just got new pillows that Sarah bought from the Premier Inn website, which is another chain hotel in the UK. And we stayed in one and Sarah had a fantastic sleep. So she bought the pillows and the duvet. Oh, I pronounced that differently then. Duvet. Duvet. She brought the pillows and the duvet. And we love them. The duvet is fantastic. It's lighter than air, but it's thick. It's brilliant. It's like sleeping under a cloud, except with no danger that it's about to rain. And then there's the pillows as well. And they're good. So I've really got used to them and I'm enjoying sleeping with them. So these Travelodge pillows were not up to scratch. And I was very aware that I was moving around a lot. All this to say that I didn't sleep well. Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you can't join this week because if you haven't made it this far already you've no chance of getting through some of this shit but um I didn't sleep well and then I woke up and I was aware of the fact that I felt a little bit discombobulated perhaps but I've gotten used to that in the last few weeks of just waking up feeling not 100% not springing out of bed and feeling amazing so I didn't think much of it and I got my running stuff on and I walked down. One of the great things about Travelodge is that they don't make you check out until 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So if you wake up at like eight, nine o'clock like I do, you've still got a good few hours to, you know, sit and watch TV. Or if you've got a bath in your room, you can have a bath or, um, you know, just have time. And in my case, that time is typically used to go and run somewhere. Sometimes I have to drive to where the run is because I like to run on seafronts. So I was already on the seafront. The hotel was literally at the top of the cliff. So I got my running stuff on and I ran down the hill towards the beach. Started running quite early on. I should have warmed up the walk a little bit more, but I also didn't want to lose the small advantage of probably having two minutes run on a basic downslope. So I took it. And as soon as I started running, I was thinking, gosh, my back, my whole lower back. At first, I thought it was my kidneys because I could mainly feel it on the sides. But as it mellowed out, I was aware of the fact that it was more across the whole back. So uh, my whole lower back was hurting. I was feeling a lot of sort of jiggle. And then after I'd been running for a minute, it sort of subsided and I felt okay. And then I would walk again and... When I walked for like, you know, 30 seconds, I have these gaps in my run where I walk a little bit. And then I started running again. I could instantly feel it again and then it calmed down. And then I went to bed last night 
and was aware of it and woke up this morning and it felt a lot better. It really, really felt like it was basically gone. Then I went out on my run and I started running a little bit and I could feel it again a tiny bit. And then towards the end of the run, I could feel it, but it certainly wasn't anywhere near as bad as it had been yesterday. So my assumption is it's getting a lot better and it came from sleeping awkwardly in that bed. I slept fine last night, so I'm hoping tomorrow when I wake up, and I'm not running tomorrow because I'm in a bed and breakfast and I have to check out early, so I don't really have time to go for a run unless I get up at 8 o'clock in the morning and do it, and I'm not doing that. So there'll be no run tomorrow, but I think that's okay. You need a rest sometimes. So I think it's getting better. I think that's to say that that pain is getting better. My legs are still hurting a lot more than they were, but you know what? When I was running before, months and months ago, and I was getting really good at it, I weighed a lot less than I weigh now. And maybe you're probably not supposed to be running at just over 19 stone, which, by the way, is roughly what I weigh. I don't know exactly, but I know it's somewhere between 19 and 20. I'd guess that it's the low 19s, uh, low to mid 19s. But, you know, maybe you're not supposed to be running 5K every day at just over 19 stone. Maybe my weight is playing a factor and I'm bouncing around a lot on the run and it's worse for me than it was when I was 17 and a half stone or 16 and a half stone or whatever. So I probably do need to get on the peloton a bit more and get some hard workouts, but without the necessary pressure and strain that running puts on your body. But I do enjoy the feeling of finishing a run and I do feel more motivated to run than I feel motivated to go out and get on the peloton. I don't know why. But having said all of that, we're going to Spain on Friday. And so I'm not going to run today. Uh, sorry, I'm not going to run tomorrow, but I will take a big long walk. I might even consider the cinema um, during the day. Who knows? But I will take a big walk uh, given the opportunity if the rain is not bad. I'm hoping it's rained a lot today. So, and it pissed down on my walk. Oh, my run. Oh my God. I walked for about three minutes up a hill, aware that there was a slight downhill on the other side. I stretched at the top of that hill and then I started to run. And two minutes into that run, when I hit the seafront, it started to bucket down. And I mean, really rain. Like people were driving past looking at me like I was a psychopath uh, to be out running in it, but I did. And that was all right until I got to like 1.9 miles. And then I turned around and started running the other way. And now not only was it bucketing down, but the wind was in my face as well. So I was getting the full on wind in my face. And that was not fun. <laughs> but I hit the 3.11 miles, which is 5k, and I felt elated. 32 minutes, 40 seconds, I think it was. So yeah, and then my back was hurting a bit, and then I had to walk the rest of the way to the bed and breakfast. I put all my running stuff into the running bag that I keep, and it was all soaking wet, soaking from both sweat and um, the weather, both the weather and my exertion. But I'm really hoping that I'll run next week in Spain. I probably won't need to wear a coat like I have been doing at home, but I'll run next week in Spain and then I'll come back and I'm going to start doing the Peloton as well and mixing it up a bit. And I'm hoping that a bit more of a relaxed week, Sarah and I are going to go on some hikes and stuff, but I'm hoping that a slightly more relaxed week, some nice food, maybe a bit of a chill um, and just being with Sarah and, you know, relaxing my various anxieties will make me feel a lot better. It'd be really nice to feel better for Benidorm. And I feel like I'm on the cusp of it. Sarah obviously hasn't been well, not the grand unwellness, but within that smaller unwellness as recently, she's actually perked up a lot in the last sort of week. 
and been generally feeling better and certainly been brighter uh, in, you know, in general, just has more pep about her, I think. And I've been feeling the same, apart from just these little niggling pains. But um, I feel like it's all on the way out. I feel like we're heading towards generally feeling better for both of us. And that would be really nice. <laughs> so let's kick back to last week. One thing I didn't tell you about last week's gigs on Thursday is that the place I gigged on Thursday has a housing estate basically right in the middle of it. They built this holiday park around a housing estate where everybody refused to move because why would they move? It's a nice place to live, this uh, Saint of Scythe. It's kind of like right on all different ports and nice scenic views and stuff, so of course they didn't move. What's weird about it is that a lot of the people who live there seem to be sort of borderline hoarders and the outsides of the houses have got car parts, refrigerators, ovens, random bits of wood, cupboards, old couches, loads of the houses. And by the way, there's like a dirt track, like a cobble track thing that runs in between. And it is possibly the most potholed road in all of the universe. I'd, I'd go as far as to say that maybe in the entire universe, it's basically the most potholed road I've ever seen. I had to drive down it at about seven miles an hour so as not to completely explode the tires. The potholes are so bad. And I often wonder about guests who go there on holiday and have never seen this place before. Because if you take a right, you, you have to go through basically the gates of the holiday park to get into it, the main gate that says you are at this place. I often wonder about guests who, instead of going right to reception, accidentally stay left and go down this path. What they think has happened, <laughs> or if they think, like, oh my God, um, is this, is this like, is this the holiday park? Is this the, sh is this shithole the place that we've just paid? God knows how much money to stay at. It's like, you know, when Marty goes back to 1955 and he accidentally lets Biff get um, the time machine and all that sort of stuff and some mistakes happen. And then he goes back to 1985. But the 1985 that he's in is the wrong version. And it's a version where everything's crazy. And Mr. Strickland, his bald-headed uh, head teacher, tries to shoot him when he goes on the porch and all that sort of stuff. And everything's just crazy. This little sort of housing estate is like alternate 1985 from Back to the Future. <laughs> It's really bad and it's strange and it's just in the middle of a holiday park and you absolutely don't ever need to know that it exists when you're at that holiday park unless you make a wrong turn and you end up right in the middle of it and you just think, what the fuck's going on here? And after I did that gig that night, I had every plan to go for another walk. I was going to take myself for a big walk in Clacton. Obviously, I ran and I walked and I was going to go for another big late night walk. But um, when I came out of the gig, it was raining like a music video. Like, is it the bodyguard where it rains at the end and she hugs him or something? Like that kind of rain, the kind of rain that you can see. I know you can see all rain with the naked eye, but well, not all rain, most rain. You know that rain where it's like long, thick strides of rain that are like a finger length long, that kind of rain. Isn't it weird how rain the actual drops themselves are different lengths. 
What makes raindrops become different lengths? Because they're definitely more visible when they're longer. You can see that sheet rain that just looks crazy and it's long strands of rain. It definitely does look different. But again, the length, length affects how a lot of things look, of course. <laughs> but nothing more than light beams. Light beams of different lengths, of course, are different colors. And that's how we perceive color because a red t-shirt absorbs light in a different way and reflects it in a way that makes those light beams change length and look red. And same for other stuff. Dr. Alex is going to message me now and go, you've completely fucked that up. You've tried to sound clever and you've said exactly the opposite of what is true, I'm sure. But <laughs> as I understand it, light beams are the color of their length. The length of a beam of light is what dictates the color that it reflects into your eye. So green and white and all that, well, green white is different because it's all of them, but um, you know, blue and red and yellow and green, all of those different colors, they reflect light at different lengths when it changes. So yeah, I mean, obviously length does make a difference, but you can really see long strands of rain and it looks crazy and that's the kind of rain we had on Thursday night. So I was going to go for a big walk but instead I drove to a big huge Tesco and I was tempted by loads of things like um, chocolate and Easter eggs and uh, chicken wings and I was in a caravan so I had an oven so uh, oven pizza that I could have bought loads of different stuff but instead I bought grapes. Now there are these things at Tesco called Candy Floss Grapes. Please write to me if you know. I can't really be Googling because I'm already recording the podcast on my phone. And as you know, that creates problems um, if I try to do too many things at once. But Candy Floss Grapes. Do they just taste how they taste? I'm going to open a can of Coke Zero, by the way. Listen to this. Bit of ASMR for you there. Hmm. Did someone taste them and go, these taste a bit like candy floss. That's nice. Let's call them candy floss grapes from this particular area or vineyard or whatever. Or are they purposefully grow? Because they're not injecting something into them. They're not injecting every grape individually with flavor. So no way. So how does it work? Are they grown specifically to have that taste? What is it? Ah, oh, fuck waiting. I'm going to have to Google it. I need to know. I'm going to Google this while I'm on here now. How do candy floss grapes get their flavor? Sorry, I'm Googling this on the phone that I'm also recording into. So there's a chance that um, you could hear my fingers tapping on the screen then. Oh, I've got bad signal. So this might take forever to load. But I do want to know how it works. I want to know how candy floss grapes get their flavor. The signal's rubbish. Rubbish. I'm going to let it load. Because, oh, it's loaded. Come on. Okay. Kane and his team at International Fruit Genetics in Bakersfield, California, made the cotton candy grape. Oh, yeah, sorry. If you're not from England or if you're American, uh, when I say candy floss, I, of course, mean cotton candy. I made the cotton candy grape by hybridizing, which, by the way, is hilarious because hybridizing is already a combination of two words. So that's like, what a dream. Hybridizing. That could be one of the best words ever. 
Two different grape species. So the designer fruit is actually a hybrid, like pluots, peacherines, and cherums. We already have other varieties that taste like strawberry, pineapple, or mango, he says. So apparently they've hybridized loads of different grapes, and that's how those have gotten that flavor. Cotton candy grapes are a hybrid of other grapes and flavors, and that's what makes them taste like candy floss or cotton candy. I have to say, by the way, I, excuse me, I really love them. I'm a big fan of the candy floss grape. They're delicious. They're not unhealthy. I mean, 400 grams of grapes is about 220 calories, and that's a lot of grapes. It's a full punnet. It's a full little plastic carton of them. So uh, I do like grapes a lot. So I bought grapes and I drove back to the holiday park and I ate the grapes in my caravan instead of going for a big walk. Not too bad at all. Did I get something else? I feel like I got something else. I got some sort of other snack. Maybe I just got drinks. I can't remember. But um, I had a nice time. And then... Um, the next day I was at Wild Duck, which I just want to say these four gigs down there, I said this before, but they never used to be great. I didn't typically have good shows. The audiences in the South, for whatever reason, were a bit hard work, I found years ago. Um, I didn't love the venues. For whatever reason, the sound systems in those venues didn't seem to be up with them. But man, I crushed Thursday night as well and had a brilliant gig. And I drove away thinking, these gigs have changed. I, I now I'm not going to not look forward to those four gigs because I really enjoyed all four of them. So I'm not going to say anything negative about them ever again. And I'm not going to feel anything negative about them when it comes to looking at my diary and seeing that I've got them. And I probably won't shy away from doing them in future. I did not mind at all. They were all good gigs. All the teams were nice. I had a nice time in the places that I stayed and all was good. One thing that did piss me off is that I left my wash bag. And this comes off the back of a little bit of hubris, actually, because I was in the shower on the last morning. And um, as I was showering in the caravan with my own shower gel, which you must have, of course, because they don't provide that stuff. Sometimes in a caravan, they do provide you with a towel. If you're in a posh one, towels and everything are part of the deal. If you're not, they're not. I had my own towel. I was not in a posh caravan. But um, I had my own shower gel. And as I put the shower gel into my hand to shower, I remember thinking, ooh, just lean this out of the shower and put it in the sink because then you won't accidentally leave your shower gel in the shower. And I didn't leave my shower gel in the shower. I got out, I got dried, I put my shower gel into the wash bag and then I left the entire wash bag in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize until I got home that night, I opened up my bag, which is stupid, by the way, because my bag is by this company called Private Label. And it's like a squared off duffel bag, the kind that special forces you imagine would have. You know, it's kind of a squared oblong thing with two carry handles above. And when you unzip the top flap, it stays rigid, the whole bag, by the way. Um... And I do always get rigid at the sight of it. Anyway, let's not get into flaps and rigidity. But when you unzip the top flap, inside, all of the inside of the bag is like this material that Velcro sticks to really well. And it comes with these dividers, these kind of firm dividers with a little bit of bend in them. And they've got Velcro on the sides. So it allows you to put these dividers in the bag in such a way that you can perfectly partition the bag to fit the stuff that you want to put in it. 
And it will come as no surprise to you all to know that that is exactly what I did. So there is a partition on the left-hand side of the bag that perfectly, and I mean perfectly, fits my wash bag. The exact same shape and size as the wash bag, it fits in there with great effect. So I don't know how I managed to forget it, how I zipped the bag up without that inside. I, it's unthinkable. I do not know how I did that. But... I did, and I realized the second I got home and that space was empty, I was furious because that bag, I mean, leaving aside the fact that it's got uh, two of everything in, two deodorants, two hair gels, a shower gel, a toothbrush that I'm using, a brand new toothbrush that I haven't used yet, nail clippers, beard oil, face cream, a electric shaver, and a Harry's wet shaver, shaving foam, it also has in it um, a £100 bottle of Versace Eros, that's the red one, aftershave that I like wearing, uh, mouthwash, all of those things. But more heartbreaking than the contents, which can all be replaced because all of those things still exist, is the bag itself. The bag itself came from Muji, a company that many of you will know. They don't make it or sell it anymore. But it came from Muji in the Trafford Centre inside of John Lewis. And as soon as I saw this bag, I knew that it was perfect. It's like, an, it's white and it's thick plastic, but it's kind of a little tiny bit translucent. And the inside of it has got this integrated, it's like double walled. And the inside of the two layers have got this kind of webbing in, this like white webbing, which makes it incredibly strong and hold its shape. And it holds loads of stuff. It's quite a big wash bag. And so I was devastated that I lost the bag itself. The next day I was telling Sarah and she said, why don't you just ring them? And I, I'm not the sort of person to do that. I've already considered it a lost cause. But when I really thought about it, it did piss me off. And I thought, I was pissed off at myself, by the way. It was my fault. I did think I'm going to ring. And I rang and I explained. And I'm going to be honest and say that the woman on the phone didn't seem too crazy keen on what I was about to ask her to do when she thought that maybe I wanted somebody to post it back to me. But when I told her, if you can get that bag and just put it in lost property, I'm back in seven weeks. I come back every seven weeks. I'm touring, I'm the magic act, yada, yada, yada. She said, I'll go and have a look myself. And she walked over. This was like, she'll call, I'll call you back this afternoon. She walked over to the caravan. She went in, she got the wash bag. She uh, wrote a sticker and put it on there with my name on and she put it in lost property. And I'm going to get the wash bag back. And I'm absolutely thrilled. In the meantime, Sarah's bought me a duplicate uh, wash bag from Ted Baker to the small one I have. Because I have another wash bag as well, which I take on ships. I basically have three. I have two of everything three times, right? Which I know is a bit crazy. But I've got the wash bag that lives in that bag for touring the UK. And that's got two of everything in. Then I have a smaller wash bag, which is a Ted Baker one, and that's for doing ships and flyouts and going on holiday. And that has one of everything, and sometimes slightly smaller sizes of some stuff. Like it doesn't have a full size mouthwash, just has two small bottles of it in and stuff like that. A smaller sized uh, toothpaste, only one deodorant, one gel, all of those things, because it's just for very, very short trips and for when I do work on cruise ships. And then I have all that stuff again in a cupboard in the bathroom and I have like six of everything in that because I don't want to run out. And I tend to restock often. Whenever I'm down to the last two, I restock. So I stay on top of all that sort of stuff. And um, 
Yeah, so it's all fairly replaceable, but the bag annoyed me. But now I've got two smaller wash bags, two Ted Baker wash bags, which means technically I've got four setups. So what I might do... <laughs> Nobody has ever talked about wash bags as long as this. I hope you find my fucking bullshit interesting, you know. Sarah will be rolling her eyes so hard that she can see her own brain. Uh, Sarah said to me, you might have to think of some funny stories for the podcast because when you just recap your week, it's not always as hilarious and interesting as you might think it is. But um, she, um, oh, someone just pulled up behind me. I don't know if they're going to come and talk to me and ask me why I'm here. But uh, no, I don't think they are. But um, they've just parked and they're walking. They might have wedged me in a bit. He might have parked a bit too close. Anyway, so now I've got four setups. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have one in the gig bag for when I'm gigging away in the UK. I'm going to have one for cruise ships. I'm going to have all the stuff in the bathroom. And then I'm going to have a third wash bag, but a fourth setup, which I leave in the side panel in the back of the boot of the car, hidden away. Because every now and again, I'm doing a gig. Like I was doing a gig in Bristol the other week, you know, with my friend James, who books me all the time down there. And I was doing that gig at the town hall. I was doing that gig with him and I'd been out of the house all day and I hadn't brought stuff to get changed. But I knew that having a shower or whatever would have actually made me feel better. It would have made me feel more lively, more ready for the gig, cleaner. I put on a better show when I'm phenomenally clean and feeling good. Not if I've been driving all day or eating stuff or whatever. I feel better if I've had a shower. And when I got backstage, my dressing room had a shower in it. And the only thing that stopped me from having a shower was the fact that I couldn't do any of the stuff that goes with a shower. I couldn't do my hair, brush my teeth, wash myself properly, all of that stuff. So I didn't have one. And had I had a permanent wash bag stowed away in the car, that would have alleviated that situation. Sometimes I'm driving to a gig or, and you get backstage and there is a shower or a place to freshen up or whatever. Or sometimes you end up at a friend's house or... I'm trying to think of other situations or maybe like I'm gigging. There's a lot, this happens quite a bit actually. I'm gigging and I've just planned to drive to the gig and back. But then after the gig, I'm super tired and I think to myself, oh, maybe I'll just stay away. And, you know, if I'm gigging back in the same area the next day and Sarah's doing some work thing or she's at work the next day and there's no point in coming home because I'm not going to see her and I'm coming home just because I like to come home. And sometimes that need or want to come home it evaporates by virtue of the fact that you're just tired and you think oh you know what if I could just pay 30 quid or 40 quid now and get in that travel lodge I could just stay here hang out tomorrow and then go back and I absolutely do not mind wearing the same clothes two day two days in a row if I don't have socks and boxes or whatever I'll be honest I'm not that bothered I mean I could keep a pair of boxes and a pair of socks in this bag but if I had to wear them two days in a row it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world like I said I'm very clean and I don't tend to, um, I don't tend to weigh <laughs> during the day or anything. I'm, I'm phenomenally freakishly clean, as I'm sure most of you know by now. So if I had a wash bag stowed away in the car, that would mean that at the drop of a hat, if I did need to stay away, I'd have all the things I needed at very least to just get ready the next morning. And it wouldn't be a big problem. The guy who I thought had wedged me in is now walking back to his car. I'm not sure what he's done, but it means his car's about to not be a problem. So that's the wash bag situation. I'm not unhappy with it, but uh, I'm going to get my wash bag back, which is going to be great. I'm thrilled. I'm going to have another little drink out of this Coke. And... 
from my own trials and tribulations, let's talk about other people's trials. Gwyneth Paltrow and Donald Trump, perhaps two of the most influential blonde-haired Americans. Is Gwyneth Paltrow American? She's not Canadian, is she? She's not going to surprise me by being Canadian. I'm pretty sure she's American. Um, are both on trial. Obviously, Gwyneth Paltrow's trial is finished. Gwyneth Paltrow was on trial for um, potentially causing a skiing accident. I don't know how much of this you guys saw, but Gwyneth Paltrow was accused by a guy who was in his 60s, maybe older, I think 60s, of crashing into him on the slopes at... Um, I don't even know where, actually. Some ski slope somewhere they were skiing. And he said she crashed into him and left him with life-altering uh, damages and brain damages and all of these sorts of things. And so it went to trial. Gwyneth Paltrow, fair play to her, rather than just paying, because originally he wanted three million. And then when she said she wasn't going to pay it, he said, well, what about 300 grand? And then she said, I'm not paying that. And he went, all right, well, I guess we'll go to trial. He had a girlfriend... I don't know what happened to his previous relationship, but he had a girlfriend, a later later in life girlfriend relationship. She bailed him off because she said his personality changed quite a bit after the accident. And he said that he was left with debilitating illnesses and disabilities and wasn't the same man that he was before. This accident, I believe, was pre-COVID. I think it was in 2019. Now, what's wild about this, or maybe 2018, I think it was longer ago than that, is that during the trial... And fair play to her, that's what I was going to say. She didn't pay. She refused to pay at any stage. She said, we're going to trial. I'm not at fault. And did what a lot of celebrities would not do. And she was seeking reverse damages for something else in the in the amount of one pound. It was, uh, you know, kind of just for the sake of it. Because she didn't want this guy to pay. But she was seeking reverse damages to the amount of a pound as a symbolic gesture that she'd won. And so... She did win, by the way. She got awarded a one dollar, not pound. She got awarded a dollar, close to a pound, 93 pence, I think. Um, used to be 50. <laughs> but the UK have fucked our own economy. Let's not get back to Brexit. Anyway, this guy, to say that he had damages, is possibly the close to an action man that I've ever seen a 60 or 70 year old be in my whole life. Gwyneth Paltrow's team. Have you ever seen those programs that used to be on before? There used to be a program about benefits fraud in the UK. And this guy would basically find people that were claiming benefits to say that they had disabilities. But then he would stalk them and follow them. And he'd find them working on building sites, you know, just like really living solid lives, claiming benefits for being disabled, but going on holiday, doing all sorts of stuff. This fucking guy who claimed that was disabled because Gwyneth Paltrow smashed into him. How much can Gwyneth Paltrow smashing into you really hurt, by the way? She's about five foot three and weighs about 105 pounds. But anyway, um, he has been on more holidays and done more stuff than I have in my entire life since this accident happened. Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyer, who was abysmal, by the way. God knows how rich people end up with shite lawyers. Maybe she knew it was open and shut and she got a guy uh, off, you know, Google or like uh, one of those signs, 0800, we represent you. Um, 
but he was abysmal. The, all the lawyers were ridiculous. The guy's lawyer was fangirling over Gwyneth Paltrow at one point, talking about how nice her outfits were. I think she forgot who she was representing. And then the other guy, who was Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyer, was just a moron. It was so bad. But... um he was saying to the guy, there was like a two-hour bit where he said, so since the accident, let's talk about your disabilities. And the guy went, yeah, I've had struggles with this, walking, yada, yada, yada. He went, is this you here, um, kayaking? <laughs> is this a picture of you since the accident, whitewater rafting? Is this a picture of you mountain biking? Is this a picture of you next to Chichen Itza in Peru and stuff? Is this a picture of you in ancient Egypt, uh, in Egypt looking at ancient, you know, pyramids? Is this a picture of you uh, skateboarding? I mean, honestly, this guy had done everything. Everything that a tampon tells you you'll be able to do. This guy says, this guy was doing it. You know what it says, tampon. You can ride a horse, you can ski you can go swimming this guy was doing everything everything you can imagine it's one of the maddest most hilarious stupidly fun lawsuits i've ever seen and i would see it on tiktok every day and then i watched the verdict and everything live because i got addicted to it it was crazy and nobody in their right mind could have possibly ever imagined that this guy was going to win because you cannot say that you're disabled and then have pictures of you whitewater rafting and kayaking and riding about on a um, mountain bike. It's just, it doesn't work. It's ridiculous. So obviously he lost the case. Speaking of people who may or may not lose the case and trials, now we come to Donald Trump because Donald Trump was indicted yesterday, Tuesday, on 34 charges predominantly relating to the misuse of campaign finance funding to pay off the adult movie star Stormy Daniels. And of course... Um, there's a lot behind this. The, pr the main problem for those of you that are not invested in American politics is that there's a big difference between a state crime and a federal crime. Obviously, a federal, a federal crime, try and say that five times fast, federal crime, federal crime, federal crime, federal crime, federal crime, that's hard that, uh, is a felony, basically. And to get something up to felony beyond misdemeanor is quite difficult. This has already been left out of the court on a state level. So the idea that it's going to work as a federal trial for, as a felony, I don't think it's going to wash. And Trump's legal team clearly don't think it's going to wash. And he looked a bit bothered going in. But then when he spoke at Mar-a-Lago last night, he looked like he didn't really give a shit. He still can't drink out of a water bottle. This guy cannot get a bottle of water to his lips to save his life. It's like he doesn't know how far away the front part of his face is. It's really strange. <laughs> he like gets near it and then he puckers his lips like a little cat's arsehole and then gently guides the water to it. It's I don't get it. Why can't he drink water properly? I don't know. But he clearly doesn't seem to care anymore and his legal team have come out saying it's ridiculous. And I think that we've got a problem internationally because as you know, I do not like Trump. Most people uh, don't like Trump. Left-leaning people, liberals don't like Trump. And... I think this court case is probably going to get him elected because as soon as he was indicted, people started donating to him like crazy and his funding went through the roof. 
and ex-presidents can raise money fairly easily. I mean, you've only got to look. Joe Biden was able to knock out 400 million in funding between July and August, and Trump hasn't got anywhere near that. But he started asking for money and he started getting money. It strengthened his base more and more. And they love him more than they ever did before. And if he wins this, they're going to be forthright as well, that he's untouchable. And it's only going to give him, basically, this is going to immunize him to further court cases. Because if he wins this, or worse, it just gets kicked out of court as a ridiculous lawsuit, then he's going to become fairly untouchable. It'll be very difficult to get him back in a courtroom again. So... I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens, but I think this is a bit of a, if you strike him down, it becomes more possible than you can ever imagine, more powerful than you can ever imagine. I think that this is only going to make things worse. I don't think that he's going to be convicted of anything. Uh, Obama had campaign finance issues and paid a fine, you know, previous presidents have had campaign finance issues and have just paid fines for them. So it's unlikely that Trump is going to find himself doing any time. Um, I don't think that paying people to not talk, signing NDAs and stuff is illegal. And so, and sleeping with, you know, adult film stars is certainly not illegal. Um, you'd think it would cause bigger problems in his marriage than it is, but I don't think that they've really got anything that they can do him for. And I fear that he's going to walk away. And he's undoubtedly the most popular Republican candidate going into the next election. Without any question at all, Trump is, is the Republican candidate if he survives this. And based on the last few years with Joe Biden who, you know, they nickname him Sleepy Joe. And I really, really want to like him more than I do. But he's clearly also terrible and just talks absolute gibberish, doesn't know what day it is half the time, is incredibly unusual and awkward around uh, women and children. And it's quite a bit awkward when you see videos. It makes you feel a bit, well, not really sure what's going on there. I don't think Biden has got a chance I know that Biden got elected against Trump last time, and that was, of course, brilliant. But I really, really feel like if it's Biden against Trump this time, Trump has got every chance. If you're American, and that's, you know, three or four of you uh, that I speak to regularly, let me know if I'm wrong. But I really hate to say that I think I'm right. I think that I'm pretty correct there. So Trump on trial. I wonder what will happen. His statement last night was bananas. I mean, it was just an absolute tour de force of conspiracy theory. Everything from Hunter Biden's laptop to stuff they tried to pin on him before. And it was just, it was really crazy. As far as statements go, that last night was about as mad as anything I've ever heard. It was really, really nutty. But people just like him more. When he says crazy stuff, they just like him more. And you can't argue against that. It's wacky, but it's how it is. So we'll see what happens. So Monday, drove back to Weymouth, didn't fast. Tuesday, fasted. Wednesday, fasted. Ran Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, fasted. Tuesday, Wednesday, exercised. What did I eat today? Well, I wanted a dressed crab. 
But by the time I got to the place that sells the crabs, they were already closed. They were, the doors were open, but they said, sorry, you're too late. We shut at one and it was like half two. So I couldn't get that. And then I remembered that years ago, Sarah and Joshua and I were down here and we went to a chip, a fish and chip shop, a chippy. And it was like one of the top 10 chippies in the UK. So I went back there and I got fish and chips. I made that noise there, that noise, Sarah. Sorry, babe. Just letting you know I was still there while I was drinking because I didn't warn you that I was drinking. I got fish and chips, and I also got some battered halloumi cheese, which was incredible, by the way, genuinely lovely. The fish, to make up for the fact that I ate the battered halloumi, I did not eat the batter from the fish. It was soft, so I was able to basically peel it off a little bit. And then I just ate the plain white fish. It was cod as it goes. I just ate the plain white fish from inside of the batter and did not eat any of the batter on the fish. Maybe one bite, I think my first bite had batter on it. But apart from that, I didn't eat any more because I was just trying to level out the random extra halloumi that I got. <laughs> and I had some grapes this morning as well. I bought them last night ready for this morning. And the first thing I did when I opened my eyes after two days fasting was eat those grapes and then go for that run. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling quite full actually, and I'm about to go and do a gig. And I'll be honest with you, right now as I sit in the car in the blistering rain, I can't really be asked. What I'd love to do is tilt the seat back, put a podcast on and just lie here in the rain and chill. Unfortunately, the car does get a little bit cold when you haven't got the engine on and you can't just sit with your engine on. But um, I'd like to do that, but I can't. I've got to go and do a gig. But I'd like to just get off stage and let my sides, my back, my lower back relax and feel better tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's the last day. Tomorrow I'm at Rockley Park. And then I'm driving home because the Ents manager's a legend. Stayed in the same bed and breakfast this week after the Travel Lodge. Stayed in the bed and breakfast last night that I stayed in last year. Really nice, just off the front. Uh, makes for a nice walk down at the front. Plenty of parking. Nice guy that runs the place. Room's cosy. Everything's good. I really like it in there. It's good. It's a good place. So um, stay in there again tonight. And then head over to Pool to do the last gig and get home. And then the big event. The big... Big, big event. Yes, baby. The big event is, of course, going to Benidorm. Friday night we go to Benidorm. So I've actually got a big day Friday, even though I'm getting back late Thursday night. I've got a big day Friday because I am... Hang on, I'm just going to go back to the podcast app. Friday morning, I'm getting up pretty early and I'm going to drive straight to my mum's with... I nearly said my mum and dad's then. That was funny. My dad's been dead for five years. I still think of it as my mum and dad's inside my head. But I'm going to drive to my mum's. And when I get to my mum's, I'm going to drop Joshua off. Joshua is uh, staying at um, my mum's for the week while Sarah and I are in Benidorm. So that'll be nice. He's really looking forward to it, by the way. He loves going to my mum's. And my mum loves having him. They, uh, he called her the other day. He was on the phone to me leaving school. And it, I was talking to him about the fact he was going to my mum's. And he said, should I call grandma? And I said, yeah, you can if you want. So he went and called my mum. And then I saw the ring doorbell go off on my phone and I looked and he was coming into the house and he was still talking to my mum on the phone. So he talked to her for like 35 minutes while he walked the whole way home, which is funny. And she was thrilled about it. She loves talking to him. So that was nice. But she gets him all these little cans of Diet Coke and stuff in. She gets him these yogurts that he likes, Primula cheese and crackers, just all this different stuff that only they like and eat together. He has like different stuff he eats there, you know, it's their stuff. And um, he just loves being there and hanging out with my mum. So he's really looking forward to that. And I'm really looking forward to going to Benidorm with Sarah 
I, I do wish Joshua was coming in a lot of ways, although we are going to have a slightly different time, as you know. I'm going to do more adult stuff and go for longer walks than we maybe would if he was there. We're going to go and see some adult shows. I'm going to go and hang out with a magician friend one day. Um, Sarah and I are going to go out with him and his wife and just do, you know, slightly different stuff. So... That'll be good. And Sarah and I always said we should go just me and her one time. And this is kind of the perfect excuse. Squeezing it in. Couldn't really afford to go where we go with Joshua because it was quite expensive because of the school holidays. But we were able to get good flights and a cheap apartment for just me and her. And we'll be fine with that. So Benidorm's going to be brilliant. So I've got to get up and drive two and a half hours to my mum's with Joshua. Then I think I'll go to the little retail park there and just grab a couple of bits. There's a really good retail park there called Dalton Park. And uh, I just need a couple of things, bits of clothes, like stuff to wear on holiday. And obviously I've lost a little bit of weight since the other week. So, you know, some new t-shirts and stuff. Then I'll drive back home. As soon as I get home, I'm going to get a haircut because I do need a haircut. I didn't get one this week and I normally would, but um, I'll have not had my haircut for two weeks by Friday. So it is feeling a bit long. Get a haircut. Um, Sarah's finishing work early, go home, pack all of our stuff, get in the car, drive to the airport, parking's already paid for, get on the plane like a little dream and um, get to Benidorm and we arrive at like one o'clock in the morning. So by the time we get to the apartment and everything and off the, um, the transfer, it's going to be late, but that's okay. We'll basically go to bed and then wake up the next morning with um, four solid days of holiday. Because we'll have all Saturday, all Sunday, all Monday, all Tuesday. And then Wednesday, pretty early, we fly back. But we've got four solid days of nice sun, hanging out, delicious food, drinks, walking about. Generally just being awesome. And I can't wait to hang out with Sarah for that amount of time in the sun. She's going to love it as well. She does love the sun. But she's obviously been very careful now and making sure she wears lots of sun cream and all that sort of stuff. I mean, she always says to me, I've got a right, no right to have a go to her about it because I never wear sun cream. And she's right. I'm not great at putting sun cream on and I probably should. But um, I never have so far, but I will. I will start to wear sun cream. I know how dangerous it is now. You know, you get those little moles. It's, kind of, it's not good for you. So I'm going to wear sun cream. And um, yeah, I'm excited. It's going to be a brilliant time. And it's very close now. I feel like I've been waiting for ages. We didn't book it that long ago, but it feels like it's been waiting for ages. But it's almost now finally here. So bring on Benidorm, baby. Let's do this thing. Let's have a great time. Anyway, I'm not going to record anything after the gig because that's basically an hour. Uh, I'm going to go into the gig, do the gig, and then I'm going to um, go back to my room, go back to my B&B &B and watch... Uh, some TV and stuff. Nice and relaxed time. Wake up in the morning. All the hard work is over. Three quarters of the way through this working week now after tonight. Tomorrow I'm driving home. I'm not running tomorrow. I'm just going to walk. Um, I've eaten today, so I feel relaxed. I've only got one fasting day left before Friday. So I'm just going to... All the hard work's behind me. My mood is unbreakable. Get to spend a weekend with my wife. It'll be brilliant. So yeah, and I feel great knowing Joshua's going to have a great time. So that's good. Joshua doesn't actually know we're going to Benidorm. He just thinks we're both working. So <laughs> there's no point in telling him, is there? Because he'll be gutted if he thinks we're going to Benidorm because he loves it there. But we do have to have an adult time every now and again. Right, I'm going, friends. Much love to you all. I've got to go and get my arse in this gig. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye, everyone.